so far in Indianapolis, so we've had like 180, 190 bad stories so far on track for almost like 300 murder record, homicides, murders. Ugh. Join us on the Newsline, our good friend, Reverend Charles Harris, Stimpline Coalition. Reverend Harrison, good morning, old friend. How are you doing this morning? Well, I'm doing pretty good, Abdul. I just finished getting in almost five miles this morning, trying to run off all this frustration. Oh, gosh, my friend, I, I sympathize with him. By the way, be careful out there in the mornings. I kind of worry about you sometimes. So I'm, I know with the rate of the crime and violence in the city, you're, you're right. Um, so, my friend, what is what is going on here? By my last count, and this was actually uh, yesterday afternoon uh, when I posted this on my social media webpage, Indianapolis was like 180-something murders and some change. Then it turns out, you know, several other people, you know, shot another another uh, murder as well. What the heck is going on here? Well, well, certainly, you, you know, I'm, I'm getting word that we may have had someone who was in critical condition who may have died. So we're around 100 and either 89 homicides or 90 and almost uh, – we're, we're close to about a thousand people shot and stabbed. We have just never seen this level of violence. And, and I say for the first time, probably in my 20, almost 23 years of doing this, it doesn't feel safe out there anymore. You know, when I go out with the 10 point teams, um, you know, we're probably more concerned about our safety now than we have ever been since we have uh, been doing this work. Now, one of the things that uh, the responses to our to our rising crime rate has always been that, well, it's, part, it's partially because of COVID-19 is that people are, are frustrated indoors and have mental health issues and, and crime is sort of up all over all over the country. My response is, uh, is like my dad used to tell my little brothers when they did bad on the test. And my brother said, well, dad, everybody did bad on the test. My brother's like, well, I'm not concerned about everybody. I'm concerned about you. So what? So, so I guess my question is, uh, when we look at you know, sort of crime overall, is this part of a national trend or just something unique to Indianapolis? Well, you know, I, I've heard that, too. And, and, and I would say this, though we are seeing a rise in crime and violence nationally in, in Indianapolis, this is our ninth year in a row where we have seen surging violence in the last seven years, including this year. We have seen the highest level of uh, homicide shootings and stabbings in the history of the city. So I think there is something going on in, in Annapolis that is unique to our city that we have to address if we're going to uh, reduce this uh, rising crime and violence that we continue to see you know, every year in this city. I'm not one who buys the whole argument that COVID is the cause of it. I think we have other problems in this city. For instance, uh, you know, uh, people who are being arrested for violent crimes tend to be put right back out on the streets. Uh, so there doesn't seem to be any accountability. We have this catch and release, this revolving door, uh, and it causes us, you know, um, to have to try to find new ways to try to address this violence when we keep putting the same violent people back out on the streets. And that, it's interesting because that's something that uh, has been brought up time and time again in sort of our bail system and, and our bail matrix uh, and folks being let out uh, who, who on the other side should not be uh, let out on jail. What are you hearing about uh, any, any sort of reform possible, you know, in that, in that neck of the woods and maybe the judges will get together like, hey, we need to maybe take a look at, you know, how we're doing our, how we're doing our bail and how we're doing our, our bond programs? I know there was there's been several conversations, and particularly with Rick Snyder and um, the judges, and and uh, we had a conversation 
um, with many people in, in, in the whole community looking at, uh, you know, how do we fix this problem? Um, you know, we're not trying to point blame, but what we're trying to do is talk about a reality that exists. I'm dealing with a situation in the neighborhood around my church where uh, police are doing a real good job of arresting people, but the problem is the people that they are arresting that are causing the violence in the neighborhood keep getting put right back out on the street. So something certainly is broken that we really need to take a look at and fix. We're not advocating that we keep everybody locked up in jail, but particularly those repeat violent offenders who keep getting out on these low bonds. We really have to take a look at that because that is one of the major contributors to this surging violence we're seeing in the city. Our guest on the program today is our good friend, the Reverend Charles Harrison of the Ten Point Coalition, just trying to figure out what the heck is going on uh, here in Indianapolis with respect to our crime and murder rate. Uh, we're on track, ladies and gentlemen, for 275 murders uh, here in Indianapolis, which is almost sort of, I mean, that that's a Chicago number. But Reverend Harrison, old friend, correct me if I'm wrong, but Indianapolis actually has, uh, last time you and I chatted, a higher per capita murder rate than the city of Chicago. Well, we do, Abdul, we do. And, and that's startling and stunning that, that the level of violence that we're seeing in Indianapolis based on per capita is greater than what uh, you know, they are experiencing in Chicago. So it speaks to um, the urgency of the moment that we are facing in Indianapolis that, you know, we have to address this issue. And one of my frustrations, my friend, I've been dealing with doing this for years, is that we have to get away from this top-down approach to addressing the violence. And it, and it has to be more of a bottom-up approach. We have been trying this now for about six years and, and we have seen that it has not worked. We're seeing, you know, escalating numbers. And what is frightening, I would say, is now we're seeing violence in areas of the city that traditionally we have not seen this violence. So now, you know, we have to cover a much larger area to try to reduce the violence because it's spreading all over the city and now even in cities around Indianapolis. And my friend, I'm going to say something here. It's probably going to get me in trouble, but heck, that's never stopped me before. <laughs> As you and I well know, we used to kind of, you know, we, you and I would get together to have lunch or coffee and just kind of, you know, informally chat with each other. We used to, oh, Kenneth, you say it'll, it'll be an issue or concern when it starts affecting white folks. Well, that, that is true. That is true. And, 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 and it is now. And that's why we have been saying that if we don't contain the violence in the urban core, that eventually it was going to spread to other parts of the city, and that's what we're seeing now. And we need all of Indianapolis to be alarmed by this, and, and we have to have tough conversations with our elected officials about real solutions that can help drive down this uh, surging, record-breaking violence. Um, what about, uh, what are we doing, uh, like I said, we, we, we saw the mayor unveil his budget uh, using millions of dollars in COVID relief money to hire more police officers for mental health. Uh, for crime prevention grant money, which I always kind of joke and said is, is fine in the long run, but what are we going to be? What what needs to be done short term? Well, we really have to stop the bleeding and focus on how do we, with the, particularly the crime prevention dollars, reduce the number of shootings, stabbings, and homicides. And this has been a debate, Abdul, in in the community about do we invest more in root causes, or do we have to make a greater investment? Uh, you know, in the meantime, right now, in stopping the bleeding and using strategies that have been successful 
in curbing uh, the violence. And, and we do have areas of the city where we have had success, even in the midst of all of this record-breaking violence, where we're seeing lower numbers of homicides, shootings, and stabbings. And, and I believe that that has to be scaled up and replicated across the city. But the city itself cannot do that. Uh, it needs to be done uh, from grassroots organizations, anti-violence groups that have a track record at, and success at doing this. And, and I think that is the area where there's been disagreement and some tension. Our guest on the program today is our good friend, the Reverend Charles Harris of the Ten Point Coalition. Talk about uh, Indy's uh, sharp increase uh, in violence. I didn't think it would get any worse, but apparently, ladies and gentlemen, uh, it actually is with five people shot uh, and murdered over this uh, over this Labor Day weekend. Our guest this morning, Reverend Charles Harrison from the Ten Point Coalition. We're talking to Reverend Harrison about our crime issue today. Uh, five people murdered over Labor Day weekend here in Indianapolis. Putting us on track for at least 275 murders by the end of the year, almost 300. Ugh. So, Reverend Harrison, my friend, Charles, thank you very much for being with us. We always do appreciate it, sir. Well, thank you. Thank you for having me this morning. It's, it's unfortunate that we have to keep talking about this, um, but, but we have to in light of what's been going on in our city uh, for the last uh, seven, eight years. Uh, let's talk about crime prevention uh, because the city has invested uh, – almost $17 million in crime prevention grant money. And at the end of the day, it seems like all we've got to show for it, unfortunately, uh, is more dead people. And we're about to invest another $45 million over the next three years in crime prevention. But is it really going to do any good? Well, certainly if we're not investing the crime prevention dollars in the right kind of strategies, then it's not going to do much good. Uh, again, I, I think we have to look at um, how do we use that money uh, to work in partnership with law enforcement? Because we can do nothing without law enforcement to reduce the number of shootings and stabbings, which then reduces the number of criminal homicides and homicides in the city. So I think we have to shift the focus of how we're using those crime prevention dollars and focus more on what I call stopping the bleeding and bringing down these numbers. It's hard to believe, Abdul, that just in 2009, 10, 11, and 12, we had four consecutive years, you know, under 100 criminal homicides. And you look at where we are today in 2021, and, you know, we're going to be between 275 to 300 homicides. It's just stunning. But I think it speaks to uh, how we have went away from strategies that were, was very effective in helping to curb the violence uh, to strategies um, that are not making much of a difference on the ground. My friend, uh, help our audience out here uh, from that 30,000-foot level and give us an idea of, of one of the strategies that, that, that's been proven to work to help prevent violence. Well, one of the strategies that we know that works, and, and when it's done in partnership, when you are able to take ex-offenders and, and clergy and residents in hotspot areas and put boots on the ground where you're engaging individuals who are most likely to be the victims and the perpetrators of violent crimes, and you're trying to redirect their lives, and for those who don't want to do right, that's when law enforcement comes in and we get those people off the streets. When we have done that in a very effective way, in partnership with other community groups, 
we have seen dramatic declines in violence. And, and that's what I call that dual, the bottom-up approach, where, you know, neighborhoods and, and community centers and neighborhood associations and anti-violence groups and, and law enforcement are designing uh, uh, crime prevention strategies that fit their particular area of the city. Every neighborhood, every hotspot area is not the same. So you have to design uh, your strategy based on what's going on in the neighborhood, but yet in each of those areas, putting boots on the ground that are engaging the most dangerous individuals and threats to the peace uh, in those areas of the city. Uh, one of the other things, my friend, that I always kind of uh, sort of wondered about here, because we've got to take a, a break in just a, a quick second, is what can what can realistically be done to stop someone from shooting someone else? Because obviously, you know, the, the police are reactionary because that's what they're, they do. They respond uh, to crime. What can we what can we literally do to, to prevent violence in the first place? Well, I, I think that's where this strategy comes in play, because most of the time you hear that there are beefs going on with individuals. And what we're trying to do, those of us who do this kind of work, is change the mindset of those on the streets who feel like that violence is the only way they can resolve their conflicts with other human beings and began teaching them other skills to use in resolving these conflicts uh, without using violence as a means to do it. Our guest on the program today is our good friend, the Reverend Charles Harrison, the 10-Point Coalition. We're talking about Indianapolis's crime and violence. Uh, five people killed over Labor Day weekend on, our, on, our, on a track record to 275 from 300 uh, murders. And um, by the way, folks, as Reverend Harrison mentioned, uh, the crime isn't just limited to Indianapolis and the urban core because crime is like a virus and eventually it spreads. So if you don't think it affects you today, don't we just wait until uh, tomorrow. We're talking this morning, though, uh, about crime in Indianapolis, and so we're having a conversation with a good friend, the Reverend Charles Harris of the Temple Coalition. Reverend Harrison, my friend, it's always good to chat with you. Thank you very much for sticking around. We do appreciate it, sir. Well, thank you again for having me this morning. Uh, there, there are probably some folks listening to this conversation right now uh, who are saying, you know, uh, Reverend Harrison and the Ten Point Coalition, you know, they, they never, really, never really liked the mayor. They supported Greg Ballard. And so this is all just our graves because they're not getting any crime prevention grant money. And so basically what they're doing is, is, is keeping the pot stirred, and, and the situation really isn't as bad as, as Reverend Harrison says it is. What do you, how do you respond to that criticism? Well, you, you know, Reverend Harrison and Ten Point has been doing this since um, the 90s, and we have worked with every mayor um, that the city has had. Our goal is to help curb the pattern of violence as it's disproportionately impacting uh, communities of color, and, and particularly black males. Um, that's our only agenda, and, and we're working to help bring down the level of violence. Uh, you know, as you often hear Mayor Hawkset say, Charles Harrison and, and, and Joe Hawkset are friends. We have been knowing each other for years, uh, going back to our high school days and playing ball against each other. Um, and it really has nothing to do with that. I, I want Mayor Hawkset to be a successful mayor, and uh, I want this violence to 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 be curbed, um, but yet when there are differences of viewpoints, they ought to be you know uh, articulated and, and vocalized. And and I just have a different viewpoint of how to bring down the level of violence. So it, it's it's not that uh, I think all of us want the violence to be reduced. We want this to be 
a safe city like Indianapolis used to be one of the safest large cities in the country. Um, but yet I believe that what we're doing right now as a city is not working and we need to change the game plan. Uh, what can the city council do more of or less of? Because they, they bear some responsibility uh, in a lot of this as well, because they're the, they're the, they're the authorizers of all the funding uh, that, the, that the mayor proposes for his budget and for crime prevention. Well, you know, this has probably been the most active city county council, uh, you know, that we have had when it comes to the crime prevention dollars. I, I would just say to them, look at what was done uh, in 2009, how the money was allocated, um, what the focus was, and, and we have to go back to that. Um, we, we have to depoliticize uh, public safety in Indianapolis, and, and I think that's been part of the problem. And, and uh, you know, we have to do what is in the best interest of all the residents of Indianapolis. Every uh, resident in this city deserves to live in a safe and peaceful neighborhood. Uh, and that ought to be the goal of all of us working together. But we have to do it together. There is no one group, uh, no one agency that can curb the pattern of violence uh, alone. It's going to take all of us working together. And I think the city county council and the mayor's office can help bring us all together and working in partnership with law enforcement. Uh, my friend, we got just a couple minutes left here before we got to close up shop here. Uh, you talked about uh, having "quote unquote" difficult conversations. Uh, what exactly does that mean to the to the particular folks in the audience that doesn't may not necessarily know what those difficult uh, "quote unquote" family conversations are? Well, I, I do. I think, particularly in the black community, we're going to have to have some difficult conversations about what's you know driving the violence and and how we are going to have to address it to the larger community. We got to have a, a difficult conversation that this is just not a black problem. This is a citywide problem that's going to require all of us to get involved, and we all have to care, and we all have to be willing to make the sacrifices and do the kind of things that need to be done uh, to help save lives on the street and to make this a much safer and better city. Uh, one of the things, my friend, is like I said, we get ready to wind down our conversation here. I've noticed whenever I look at the the crime data is that 70% of the suspects and 80% of the victims all have prior adult felonies, crimes against a person, uh, gun violence, or drug charges. Uh, why is this not just, you know, for lack of a better term, bad guy shooting bad guy? Well, it, it, and, and it is because I don't think we have done a very effective job, one, of holding individuals accountable, and two, uh, you know, helping individuals to move from a life of crime and violence to becoming productive citizens in our society. And I think there are ways that we can do that. Certainly we're not going to save them all, but I believe that we can increase the number of people who are keep getting in trouble with law enforcement. I, I think we can help lead them down a different path in life, but we have to be willing to make those kind of investments to do that um, so that those individuals do not be become a part of the reviving door of the judicial system. Uh, my friend, final question for you. What can the city do uh, right now today uh, to, to help alleviate our gun and cr our crime, crime issue, crime problem? Well, one of the things we have to fix the judicial system, if we're, we're going to do anything immediately to resolve this, we have to fix that first. I think some of the other things is going to take a while uh, to put into place. But if we stop this revolving door, of these repeat violent offenders uh, and hold them accountable, I think you will see a drop in the violence very quickly. All right. Well, our guest on the program this morning uh, for the past 45 minutes, so it's been our good friend, Reverend Charles Harrison of the Ten Point Coalition. 